we actually have a lot to talk about on one of these oh, good. wrap-ups. So what do you want to do first, Emma? Do you want to rank the Jurassic Park movies and, and talk about all that? Or do you want to talk about the short films and Dominion and the future of the franchise? Let's do rankings first, just because that's easy to get that, get that sort of stuff. All right. What's, what's your ranking? <laughs> oh, God. Okay, <laughs> let me look it up. Let me look it up. Okay, ranking is really hard for this series. And I want to be very clear that I'm doing, as always, favorite, not best. Mm -hmm. Because I think if I was doing best, the ranking would be pretty different. Mm -hmm. And also, were I just to do most watchable, like easiest to put on and enjoy, Mm -hmm. my ranking would also be different. Okay. Those are three very different things in my mind. Sure, but I'm sure. doing favorite in terms of like, how much do I enjoy the movie overall? How much does it live in my head after? And how much do I enjoy watching it? Okay. Mm-hmm. Number five, Jurassic World, a very hateful, preachy, boring movie. Uh-huh. <laughs> space bar, space bar, space bar, space bar, space bar, space bar, space right. bar. All the rest of these are pretty close after that. Then I would go four, Jurassic Park three. Mm-hmm. Definitely the most watchable with the slightest plot, I would say. Uh-huh. Three, I would do Fallen Kingdom, mm-hmm. number five. I think a really well-directed movie with interesting story and characters that's very bizarre. <laughs> In ways we didn't even fully cover, and no one could probably fully cover ever, but a very strange movie. And then I would go number two, Jurassic Park, the original, and number one, The Lost World, Mm, mm -hmm. Jurassic Park. Even though absolutely I agree the first one is a better movie, Mm -hmm. I think just in terms of watching experience and my favorite, even with the first hour of Lost World being a lot of weird setup, the payoffs and the mood and the action in that movie Mm -hmm. is so much better. Like, I think watching Jurassic Park this time, I really do like the characters and the story. It's very well directed, but I think it just doesn't pop off in an action way mm-hmm. exactly how you hope it might Yeah, through a modern lens. And I think it is like so mythic and large and like every line someone says in that movie is like a slow zoom in on their face and then a huge John Williams cue, you know, Mm -hmm. like it Mm -hmm. is such like an epic movie that the second one is maybe even just like a little bit more fun to get caught up in and let wash over you. Yeah. So I think the second one is still my favorite. I really do love Jeff Goldblum and Julian Moore in that. I think there's something very strange and compelling about their relationship. And I like their race to save the world and survive this weird island. So very weird series. <laughs> and I know that's a weird ranking, but I think that that is my ranking after much consideration. Okay. Emmett, how would you rank these five movies? With difficulty. <laughs> yes. Yeah. It's a uh, hard one. It's a hard it one. It is a really hard one. And I think it's it's worth touching on what you say. This is a weird movie series. Not because any individual movie in the series is weird. They are, some of them. <laughs> but like as a series, it's very strange structurally, like what it's doing. You like you said, Fallen Kingdom, the only real sequel mm-hmm. in a five movie series. 
what to make of all of that. It does seem like the first four installments each happened in a new and different version of this world. Yeah. Even though they are all technically canon. So I I agree with you that Jurassic World is uh, definitely number five for me. Yeah, I think all of the stuff where it hates itself is not good. I think CG dinosaur fights are maybe fun for kids, but don't really progress the plot forward at all. And almost none of the characters in that are likable. Like they try to make you dislike all of the characters, except for the one little kid who they don't actively try to make you dislike, but don't ever really do anything to make you like him either. Mm -hmm. Then it's, I think it is, I think it's Jurassic Park 3 next, and then Fallen Kingdom, because Fallen Kingdom is wild to behold and is just just nuts. And then Jurassic Park 2 is my number two. The Lost World is my number two, and the original is my number one. Mm-hmm. Like, the thing that I have to pause and note here is that it is, like, if you had told me as a kid, like, or circa 2001, when Jurassic Park 3 comes out the height of my love for dinosaurs and Jurassic Park, that there would be two more of these movies coming down the line, but they wouldn't hit for another 14 years at <laughs> right, least. Right. Yeah. It's weird because it's like wish fulfillment for you when you were a kid, but none of the things that you wished for are actually in, certainly not in Jurassic World. I mean, thinking about the movie that I pictured Jurassic Park 4 being at seven or eight years old, it is not Jurassic World. It's maybe closer to Fallen Kingdom, but it's certainly not Jurassic You know, it's like that's never where it would have occurred to me to go. Mm-hmm. I love the original. I love the original so much. And I think it is. You're right. It is like so heavy. It's like so heavy handed, but it somehow pulls it off well. And mm-hmm. like you say, the score is doing so much in that movie, too. You can track me watching that movie to me going to school of the arts in one long windy progression <laughs> like because i was like oh dinosaurs are cool but you know what's really cool is this making of this movie documentary mm-hmm. and like people make movies like that's a thing that takes a lot of time and energy and like a huge group of people to do and like when i was like 10 and 11 years old i was like i want to be a movie director that's what i would like to do and that eventually leads me on a, a path where I'm like, oh, acting, like that's the way to do being in a movie if in 2000, mm-hmm. uh, whenever, when we didn't all have like movie quality cameras on our phones, like all the time. Right. It, it seemed like theater was the way. And so, you know, that it just, it's, it's just crazy to me, like how, how much specifically the making of documentary of Jurassic Park has been influential in my life. Yeah, I got to give it to the original. And I also, I just think about the original in terms of like strong characterization because there's the script seems like it's pretty bare. Like when you actually get down to if you were to count lines, it's pretty bare. Right. But the characterization is so strong. Uh, I mean, I think about this movie and I think about like Muppet movies and I think about, I don't know. I don't know what else. When When I'm trying to like picture characters for plays, when I'm trying to like design characters for plays, like I think the archetypes that you see in this movie, the archetypes you see in the Muppet movies, like those are the kinds of things that you can dig into and put so much force behind as a as a character or as a director to kind of manipulate other stories that you're working with. If you tell somebody this is the Ian Malcolm character, like that tells someone a lot about what they mm-hmm. need to know about that character and the dynamic between them and the other characters. 
Yeah, I feel like David Kep really pulls off some magic with that first script that even him and Spielberg can't recapture later in their in their many yeah. later collaborations. He really does such a great job of finding what is true about two artistic voices, about Michael Crichton's book mm-hmm. and about the Steven Spielberg sensibilities of it, which is a huge part of that first movie becoming about parents and children mm-hmm. and fatherhood and everything, which as I understand the book is not so much about. And I feel like he like finds what is most compelling and true about both of those voices and manages to synthesize them And I sometimes feel that this world series, that they maybe are sometimes trying to write the Crichton book version rather than the Mm. adaptation of the book. Oh, interesting. Mm -hmm. Like it sometimes feels a little bit too heady, especially world. And it kind of feels like this is the lore dump theme heavy book that mm-hmm. someone would then adapt into a streamlined, cleaner, right, more action-focused movie. Mm-hmm. That makes a lot of sense. You know, okay, here's something that I think about a lot. And I think we've touched on it before, when we've briefly talked about Star Wars on the pod before. Briefly. <laughs> briefly. <laughs> um, and, like, you watch Jurassic World, and you're like, obviously, this is a movie, right? Like... <laughs> Okay. okay, all right. I, this is this, this is going to be a journey, so just like bear with me here. So you're like you watch Jurassic World, and you're like so painfully aware of it as a movie in process to become itself. You're aware of all of the different rewrites. You're aware of the CGI. You're aware okay, of all yes, of that. Sure. Yes. And yes. you watch the original Jurassic Park, and you're just like that happened. And maybe it's because we saw it when we were kids. Maybe it's because practical effects are so much like realer. It feels like you could touch them. But there's like movies like that. I think about like The Godfather. I think about the original Star Wars to a lesser degree, the the original sequels, but really in the original Star Wars, Mm -hmm. not being aware of it first as process and being aware of it first as like fully realized other reality, if that Mm. makes sense. Like, it feels so much more like we took a window into this other world in that original movie and in the original Star Wars and in in The Godfather. I, I just, I mean, maybe I'm just talking about good movies. Maybe I'm just talking about movies that move you. Maybe if I'd seen Denis Villeneuve's Dune when I was eight years old instead of, you know, when I was 26, I would feel the same way about that movie. Mm. But, it, you know, who's to say? Yeah. Because you can't make that happen. I don't know. What's your experience with with like that Luke Skywalker thing of like, oh, is Mark Hamill a great actor? I don't know, but I never don't believe that he's Luke Skywalker. I mean, I think that that was kind of my whole thing rewatching these is that I kind of felt that way about all of these movies I'd seen as kids mm. and then watching them this time sort of having like the harsh reality that they are movies, yeah. but still really enjoying all of them except for world. I will say if, if I saw fallen kingdom as a mm-hmm. kid, Mm-hmm. I think that would absolutely blow my mind in the same way that two and three did when we were kids. Yeah. Like there are so many dinosaurs in that movie. Mm-hmm. That one is full on dinosaurs. And the fact that the end does feel like, Oh, sp- like a haunted house movie for kids specifically. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like the scariest thing is the monster claw turning the window to open. Oh yeah. To like climb into your bedroom while you're sleeping, mm-hmm. you know, like, yeah. 
I think that absolutely would do the trick now. I do feel like one of the biggest losses in the series between the two trilogies and the big time gap is the death of Stan Winston and the loss of his mm -hmm. incredible animatronic dinosaurs. Yeah. And there are animatronics in the new one. You know, a bunch of times in Fallen Kingdom, you can kind of tell like when they're doing the transfusions and Uh, uh laying still and stuff, you can Mm -hmm. see. I think the only time there's animatronics in World is when there's like the dead brachiosaur and when the raptor's heads are in the little cage things or whatever. Uh, Gotcha. Anyway, they're in the new one, but I just don't think they have like the life Mm -hmm. that those did in the originals. Yeah. Now it just feels like it's kind of like a half live action, half animated movie, which is still exciting. But I think that is like the biggest loss of the series. Yeah. Is that specific feel. Okay, should we talk about some of some of this other stuff we've seen looking forward? Yes. So after Fallen Kingdom, Colin Trevorrow has released two short films just by themselves that he made, I guess, bridging the gap or leading in some way into the new movie, Jurassic World Dominion, that's coming out this summer. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's Battle of Big Rock, which is like a 10-minute kind of fully enclosed short film that came out in 2019 just on YouTube. And that's like about a blended family who are living in an RV in sort of like a camper site and dinosaur attacks them. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then there is the prologue, which is like a weird sort of visual experiment where you like get to see in actual dinosaur worlds like a mosquito. And then it flash forwards to a T-Rex attacking a drive-in movie. Yeah. Came out in 2021 in 4th F9. Mm. And now is on YouTube. Hmm. So what did you make of these two, Emmett? I was nonplussed by both of them, ultimately. Mm-hmm. I wasn't wired about either. I thought mm-hmm. the one in the the camper attack is like, you know, I cared about the family. It was kind of like inherently sets you up. You're going to care about a little kid about to get eaten by a dinosaur. Like that's kind of, they like, don't have to do a lot of work to to make you care about that. Yeah. And then they get attacked and then they escape. I thought it was like cool. I thought it was like a cool sequence. I don't know why it existed other than that. Like, I was like, well, if you could direct something that good, why didn't you put it in? (laughs) (laughs) Like, why didn't you put it in Jurassic World? You know, Uh it's a good sequence, but it just feels like, yeah, it doesn't doesn't seem like there's much there. And also, it felt like it was unclear, like, was the family trying to run away from the dinosaurs? Were like, they trying to camp to get away from dinosaurs? Is, like, that what the encampment oh, is for? Sure. That's kind of where my mind went, but I wasn't hmm. sure. So I was like, what are we doing here? But I liked all the acting in it. thought it was good. I feel like it's a cool concept, sort of taking this idea that we are now in a Jurassic world, humans and dinosaurs are mm-hmm. living together and just trying to like keep that idea fresh in people's minds by like dropping little short films uh-huh. every year when you have a four year gap between movies. Like that's a cool idea. I don't know how effective it is. I don't yeah. necessarily know how many people like, had you seen Battle of Big Rock before I told you this was a thing? Not only had I hadn't seen it, but I didn't even know it existed. So, like, mm-hmm. I don't know how good of a job it's doing at it promoting the movie yeah. either. If it's, I knew Dominion was happening. I did not know that these two shorts happened. Yeah. 
Yeah, I like Battle of Big Rock. I really love. I mean, it's a great cast. Andre Holland and mm-hmm. Natalie Martinez are just great actors in general, and that they're in that is cool. The prologue feels like a real missed opportunity to me because we start with like following a mosquito through the world, uh-huh. and I was like, oh, it's gonna we're gonna follow that mosquito the whole way, and then it'll get encased in amber, and like that'll be the point, right? And obviously that's what it's invoking, but it's like that for the first minute, and then it's just like look at a bunch of dinosaurs. And then we just randomly flash forward oh, yeah, to this other thing going on. Yeah. So I felt like it lacked coherency a little bit. Yeah, again, I think like the sequence of a Tyrannosaurus attacking a drive-in is cool. Save it for the movie. Mm-hmm. I mean, ultimately, it makes me wonder, are these just like ideas for sequences that they couldn't fit into the script and still wanted to shoot or what? I believe I heard that Dominion is set four years after Fallen Kingdom. So it is indeed doing the time gap as like having actually happened. Uh So I wonder if part of the idea is just showing like tracking the growth from where we leave Fallen Kingdom Mm -hmm. to whatever it's going to be in Dominion, like showing us little glimpses of that adjustment of life with dinosaurs, you know? Yeah. I don't know if we even talked about him hardly at all on the last episode, but B.D. Wong. In uh-huh, the only uh-huh. the only character from the original movie to like play a part in either of the of the new two sequels, other than Malcolm's like voiceover, but he's like actively there and like doing things, actively making dinosaurs. Um, still not a big part, but he's an active and important part of what's going on. Yeah, and he lives through this movie as well, right? So he something more has to happen with that character because you don't just bring a guy back to be fifth background character in this Mm -hmm. movie for two movies and he's the scientist it seems like it's got to come down he's like quietly the overarching story of the whole series really i mean he's the tangible connection so i do feel like they have to do i think he gives a good performance in both these two movies but Mm -hmm. We need a little something more. Him that. him playing ER with the Velociraptor is truly one of the best lines in the movie. <laughs> yeah. So Dominion, which is coming out June 10th. Okay, so we've got from the new trilogy, we've got Owen and Claire and their adopted daughter all back together. Maisie. And then you've got Zia and Franklin from Fallen Kingdom and Omar Sy's character uh, from Jurassic World. Huh. Cool. They're all back. And then from the originals, you've got the big three, Sam Neill, Laura Dern, Jeff Goldblum, all together in the same movie for the first time since the original, as well as B.D. Wong. And then there are a whole nother group of pretty high build new actors who don't have character names. <laughs> um, DeWanda Wise, Scott Hayes, Mamadou Athi who maybe will be important or maybe will be the new <laughs> cannon fodder that is coming into this yeah. movie. Wow. Being directed by Trevorrow again. Written? Written by Trevorrow and Emily Carmichael, who is another director and is his new writing partner. She also wrote Battle at Big Rock. I mean, as much writing was involved mm-hmm. in that. <laughs> Yeah, it seems after Fallen Kingdom and Episode Nine <laughs> that Colin and Derek sort of broke up, and he now has this new writing partner. What else has she done other than that? She wrote Pacific Rim Two. 
Interesting. And I want to say, I feel like they're maybe framing some of the narrative as like Colin has left behind Derek. And maybe that was some of maybe Derek was holding him back. I want to say that Derek on his own wrote on Kong Skull Island and Detective Pikachu. Two Uh, really interesting, pretty cool movies. So my instinct is not that... That he's the weaker half. That Colin's writing is going to be amazing now that Derek's out of the picture. Yeah, 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 really holding him back. (laughs) And Kong Skull Island is kind of... That's like what Jurassic Park 4 probably should be, you know? Oh. Like, just a group of characters who go to an island and all get killed by different monsters. And that's the movie, you know? I mean, that is kind of what you would picture as Jurassic Park 4 as a kid. You're like, some new arbitrary reason you have to go back to the island. Mm-hmm. As soon as you get to the island, that no longer matters because you're on an island with dinosaurs. And then you do that for 90 minutes and then you're done. Yeah. It's really a pretty simple formula. Luckily, there is still a second island because they keep bouncing back between which island they're on. So yeah. I think Isla Sorna, which they have been on in two movies, Lost World and Jurassic Park 3, Still totally there. As far as I know, totally dinosaurs living there in peace on their own. And it is referenced in Fallen Kingdom. Because I think in World, they there's a clear effort to like not mention any movies other than the original. But in Fallen Kingdom, there's a line where they talk about before the park, before Isla Sorna, and everything that came after. Uh-huh. Like, they say something like that. So, mm. But I guess the whole point is like now we are in a Jurassic world right. and like the islands don't matter. Like sure. somehow dinosaurs are everywhere. Well, and uh, apparently they're like in Italy. I think is where one scene takes place. It's like not just California, I think is what the trailer is trying to make very clear to us. It's not just Southern (laughs) California. Part of the trailer kind of looks like a mission impossible movie of them like going around and doing spy stuff while dinosaurs are attacking Yeah, or something to that effect. Okay. I think that in a series like this, it's had its original phase, which was, the first three which isn't even really true because those were not all necessarily planned together and it's had this phase where it's trying to do something yeah maybe with that Mm -hmm. to to varying degrees of success i think jurassic parks 7 through 12 are going to be genuinely fun i think it's going to turn into like kind of a a kind of like nightmare on elm street or friday the 13th type thing where they're just like Mm -hmm. we do not care anymore we're just going to like put teenagers getting eaten by dinosaurs and that you're going to watch it. I wish it would hurry up and get there because all of this stuff in the middle is neither fun nor good. It could be at least fun. Yeah. I think that's what Fallen Kingdom is, is getting towards is like getting towards that fun over the top campy sort of stuff, which I, I like. If it really does end on this like new status quo mm-hmm. that in this series the world is just half humans, half dinosaurs. Uh-huh. Like if that is really where the new one ends things, uh-huh. there will be more Jurassic Park movies, obviously. Uh-huh. And especially if like you don't do them with someone like Trevorrow, who's coming over with like a high lofty overarching plan for uh-huh. what he wants to say across all of these movies. You know, if it is like a Joe Johnston for three, who just comes in to make a movie set in that world. Uh huh. You could even have like what we would consider the equivalent of spinoffs, you know, just like another story set in that world told by someone else. Like 
suddenly everyone's lives are interesting if everyone lives on planet dinosaur yeah yeah absolutely we should also just mention that there is the netflix animated show camp cretaceous which has four seasons i've heard it's pretty good but i don't think either of us have seen any of it and it's a jurassic park tv show right it's a jurassic world tv show tv show I think maybe set pre the first one about kids at summer camp, hmm. uh, going to summer camp on Jurassic World. And I have heard that that show features the return of the Spinosaurus. It's in its Star Wars prequels phase because it's going to have an animated show that's like actually good. that gives you important <laughs> plot information. And even similar to the Star Wars prequels in that they're coming out so far apart, which... Hmm just does kind of make a difference you know when it's every three years every four years yeah. that's different than getting a star wars movie every year or four marvel movies every year so yeah okay anything else you want to say about dominion i want to say no colon in that title which is really fascinating to me the whole title is just jurassic world dominion hmm. as though that's a phrase or a sentence that's jurassic the title world no colon Dom- these movie titles man <laughs> That's what I want to say. But anything else you want to say about Dominion or this whole series? This series, like, it's so much in my mental space from <laughs> from the time that I was so so young. Uh-huh. So many times I've imagined different iterations of, like, you know, dinosaurs chasing people, all the stuff. I had the action figures. I would build my own plots and stuff like that. So I, for me, it's pretty played out. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I'll go back and watch the original every once in a while just to get that old thrill. But I think it's I think it's done. of course i'm still gonna go watch dominion in theaters as soon as i possibly can yeah and we will talk about it whenever it comes out so yeah excited for that it was fun i I like doing it yeah that's my thought on this series (laughs) fun to rewatch all these a fun yeah a real a real fun i feel like that was kind of our goal coming into this year with the podcast do more Mm, fun mm -hmm. series do more stuff that other people like listening along and watching um, watching along with us might mm-hmm. actually a be able to find and b want to watch if they could find and i think more a series that we are really passionate about like trying yeah. to hit out some of the big ones that are important to our canon growing up yeah up next our next mini series that we will be doing are the films of robert eggers so those films are the witch mm-hmm. the lighthouse mm-hmm. and the northman coming out in yeah. april <laughs> So very excited for this horror, creepy, yeah, weird A24 historical. historical uh-huh. I can talk about physical, uh, physical effects. My lord, like the mm. the attention to detail in the production design in the first two of these movies, and I am going to go ahead and assume in the third one as well is incredible. Mm-hmm. I have lots to dig into there, and also. Certain themes of the Ogre Father will creep up again <laughs> oh, no. as we as we discuss these dark and twisty works. Oh boy! Wait, and what are we doing before that, though? Okay, so before that, next week on Tuesday, it's that special time of the year again—the first week of April, where we like to remember the name. Remember the name. And this year, perhaps we should say, <laughs> remarmalade the name. That's all I'll say about what we're doing this year Um, as we watch the third and fourth movies in the Richard Jewell series. So excited for Bejeweled. (laughs) 
yeah, so join us on Tuesday as we delve into some mystery movies. That'll be with friend of the pod, Zane Holloman. Yeah, and that'll take us through April because we're just going to do them all in order. And that will lead us perfectly timed onto the Northmen as long uh-huh. as it doesn't get delayed. And then I don't know what's after that in May. So write us cinemabumspod at gmail.com and tell us what you want to see us cover for our big summer series. Yeah, should we do a big splashy blockbuster, maybe? It was Cold Boy Summer last year, starting in May. So what should we do this year? That's the question. But before then, we're going to trudge through the exciting, bitter, psychological <laughs> tensions of one Robert Edwards. Yes, very, very exciting. With that, dear listeners, may I just say, the franchise uh, finds a way. Stay frosted. Cinema Bums is a production of DKG Podcasts. It is created and produced by Wade Lawrence Holloman and me, Emmett Temple. Wade also edits and mixes the podcast. Our theme music is by Zane Holloman, who you can find on Bandcamp, and our show art is by Autumn Beckner. Our social media is managed by Laura Bennett. If you like what you hear, please tell all your friends and leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts, the two best ways to spread the word about our work. You can also follow us on Instagram at cinemabums or email us at cinemabumspod at gmail.com. Don't flake on us. We'll be back next week. <laughs>